Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, and relationship coach. I am also a Christian who for years grew up in a religion that taught me to fear God instead of have a relationship with God. It wasn't until I lost my religion and developed a relationship with God that I was able to understand how much God really loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different path and a different journey to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Finding God Podcast. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. This week, we have an amazing guest. Her name is IJ, and she talks about how she was able to find God in adversity. IJ is from Nigeria, and she came over to the United States because she married her husband. But it's a long story, and she will be the best one to tell the story. So without further ado, here is the interview that I did with IJ. Hello, IJ. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. And thank you so much for being on the Finding God podcast. I'm truly excited to have you here. And I just can't wait to hear your story of how you found God. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the question I ask everybody. I call it my initiation question. So the first question I would like to ask you is, what was your childhood like? So, um, my childhood was basically like, I grew up from a Christian family, you know, my parents were really like staunch Catholics. So I just kind of like had that background of, you know, knowing God, you know, praying in the morning and then praying in the evening and just kind of like doing like, you know, those kind of family time, like with, that's really how I, I, I wasn't really saved at that time, but I was just really going by the flow of my family and my parents. Yeah. Okay, so during that part of your life, um, what were some of the things you were taught about God? Like, what did they teach you? So they just kind of like said, you know, things that you you have to be respectful. You know, um, you know, God can, you know, send you to hell. Um, you know, they just really kind of like put some fear in you. You don't have to do things like this because you know, like for me growing up, I just had, I had it in my head that God had a paper where he marks down if I did anything wrong, he just marks it down for me. And then sometimes I feel like, oh my God, like he's going to be marking all bad. <laughs> you know, he's just going to be checking, you know, bad. Like it's just going to be like, you know, X, 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 because I'm really not doing the right thing. And I feel like, oh my goodness, who can ever get to that point of, you know, loving God or having an approval from God? Like, you know, can I ever get there? Because growing up, that was really kind of like the fear I got, you know, growing up as a child. No, it's funny you said that because when I was a kid, I was told that there was like a book of life and then another book and God would write your name in it. And so every time you did something wrong, it would go in the other book. And if you did something right, it would go in the book of life. And I'm just like, 
that's just a lot to write. Like, why would you write it in one book and then erase it and put it in another one? So I totally get it because I had that same idea that it was like a tally and God was just taking notes about whether I was behaving or not. So <laughs> it's funny you said that because I used to have that same imagery in my head as well. <laughs> so when you were younger, was there anything that you heard about God that like kind of made you feel positive toward him? So I kind of like, you know, have always seen my parents kind of like, you know, model you know, praying. And growing up, I see that whatever they wanted us to do, I see them doing it. You know, they're just kind of like those perfect example of parents who want, who are showing those examples. So they're telling you, I want you to read the word of God. They are reading it, you know, and, and, and you just basically do what I, it's not do what I say. Okay. And it is basically do what you see me do. And they are really doing it and they are really living the life, you know, but I was just kind of doing it with them. I wasn't really saved. I was just really going to church. I was really kind of like trying to please my parents. I was trying not to get in the bad side of God where he would give me like a a check mark where it's like a bad check mark. So I'm just really like, kind of like, you know, doing all of that. So that was really how I, you know, grew up basically. That's understandable. I mean, because you were young, you were a kid, and if you're taught a certain way, you do certain things. So you're just doing what you were told to do. So that's not a bad thing. (laughs) So with that being said, tell me about your adolescence. What did you do then? Did you continue to try to be obedient and do what your parents told you to do? Or did you kind of try to do your own thing? Like, how was that for you? So basically, you know, um, growing up, I actually grew up grew up in Nigeria and I had all, you know, my family were all girls, six girls yeah. and a boy. So um, my dad is the only child technically. And in Nigeria, I'm from a part, I'm from the Eastern tribe of Nigeria, which is called Igbo. That's basically like a tribe in Nigeria. So I'm Igbo and in Igbo, in Igbo culture, a male child is like really very important and then my mom kept on having girls, 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 number one, two, three, four, five, six. And then it became a big problem. And everybody's kind of like, oh, my goodness, you know, your dad is the only child. If he dies, somebody was supposed to be the hair, you know, the next, you know, person who is going to be keeping the family names. And it just really it was a little chaotic in my family at that time. And um, my mom had suggested to my dad and said, come on, can we just get somebody who would you know, like an arranged marriage or something. And just so that he can just, she can just give us a milk, you know, you can just impregnate her, whatever it is. Cause the pressure for my family is just a lot. I can't keep up with this. And then my dad yelled at her so loudly. And that was the first time I'm ever hearing my dad kind of like yell at my mom. He was just really a perfect example of, you know, an ideal father because I, saw that and I'm like oh my goodness because my mom gave her the license gave him sorry my mom gave him the license to cheat my mom actually said go do this you know clearly I can't give I can't produce a male child you know I've tried all I can um my dad said no way I'm going to raise my girls I'm going to raise them to be respectful I'm going to raise them to be people of dignity I'm going to raise them to be you know, women of honor, you know, I'm just going to raise them to be women of value and I cannot compromise. So he called all of us and then I was still, you know, 
was still much younger, I was in my teens at that time, and he was pleading with us and saying, listen, I just really want you guys to be women of dignity, women of honor, women with value. I just want you to be really God-fearing. I just really know want you to know that, you know, I trust you guys. I would not compromise it. If God gives us a male child, it's okay. If he doesn't, I will train you guys and I'll bring you up in the way of the Lord. I will not compromise this. And honestly, that really shocked me, like, you know, yeah. seeing him say those things. So when I got to, um, when I got to the university, because I lived by myself, I, I schooled a little far away from, you know, my house was in a different state. Um, so when I got to school, I was determined to be that to live a life that is pleasing to God. You know, I was in the campus fellowship. I was in the executive, you know, I was in a, more like a school fellowship. I was part of the head, part of the lead team, you know, which is really kind of like, I told myself that, you know, I was just going to give God my all. I was really going to serve God because I really want to make my dad proud because he was literally like talking to us that time. And, and he was like almost crying saying, listen, I want you guys to do this for me. Can you do it? Can I hold you accountable? Like he really meant all he was saying. And even though I tried to stray at some point, his voice kept reoccurring in my head. His voice was kind of like, listen, you know, and, and again, that really kept me going. And yeah, that's really how, you know, my young adult age went. That is amazing because it kind of reminded me when you were talking about like the story of Abraham and Sarah. <laughs> and instead of him going along with your mom, he was like, no, we're not going to do this. So I find mm-hmm. that to be amazing. And how long after that was your brother born? So my brother was actually kind of like, he's like 13 years old. Okay. Um, it was basically like when all hope was lost, it was basically like nobody was even thinking about him or like trying to, um, we weren't expecting him anyway. And then my mom got pregnant and she was, she got pregnant, like, you know, a little, like in her forties and we're like, Oh my goodness, I hope there's not going to be complications. Oh my God, you shouldn't have done this. Like we were praying for her. We were really panicky, but yeah, God came through and it became a baby boy. So yeah. That is awesome. Oh my goodness. So with everything that went on, at one point during, well, at what point, because I know you mentioned how you weren't saved yet, but you knew God and you've been around God and it's like, you see him do things in your life. So like, at what point did God become real to you and you realized it was about having a relationship with God? So basically, like I said, um, I was in a campus fellowship. I was in the executive team. I was really kind of like passionate, you know, I was one of those kind of like in the student campus fellowship who were like devoted in like you know, giving my all to God. I was serving God. I was doing all of that. Then in my final year, I got married to my friend's brother. And then he's actually kind of like based in the U.S. Um, he resides in the U.S. So I got married to him and I got married to him at 22. And then actually, technically, he was a pastor. At that time, he was a deacon in church. And for me, having the fire of God burning in me and the zeal of God, and I felt like, yes, he's a deacon. You know, I, this is really kind of like a dream come true. You know, I haven't kept myself because I married him a virgin. And then, you know, I got to the U.S. two years after everything crashed. What happened? So it basically like, um, so our relationship was more like a long distance kind of relationship. 
um, I didn't really know him well, but I knew his siblings in Nigeria. I knew, you know, the sister was my friend. I knew his mom, you know, I knew his other brothers, but I really didn't like know him, know him because it was basically like a long distance relationship. And so when I got to the U.S., he was very controlling. You know, he kind of like said, oh, now you're here. Everybody in church is a hypocrite. I just don't want you to associate with any one of them. Um, he just kind of brainwashed me and really told me not to like have any friend. I didn't have no friends. And then he controlled like, you know, when I walked, he takes the money. You know, it was just basically like those type of control. And then it, it resulted to kind of like some type of like, you know, verbal abuse, you know, just type of like, oh, you're not good enough. And again, I wasn't exposed because I, I didn't have any relationship with anybody else. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't dating anybody. My, I never dated anybody. I, I, I kept myself, you know, and he was really my, like my first relationship. So I really kind of like, I was so naive. I didn't know nothing when I got into the marriage. And then he like leveraged on all of those things. And then with who he is, and sometimes I'm like, God, what, what did I just get myself into? Like, you know, I, I expected that, he, you know, he's saved, he's a dickhead, but it just basically, I just realized that he's not broken. You know, there's no brokenness. I don't know, like in him, like, you know, but I just like, whenever anybody upsets him outside, maybe he's driving and someone cuts him off, he's going to bring it on and bring it to the house. And then it's going to like, everything becomes my fault. Anything I do will be like, oh my goodness, you know, it was my fault. So I really was like, I felt like, you know, I didn't know how to do anything. You know, I lost a lot of self-worth. I, I, I didn't think I was worth anything. But then I was still praying and I was like, God, I don't, if I, if maybe I had made a mistake, you know, I just wanted to really help me. Um, it was all of these things that escalated to like a physical abuse, you know, a series of physical abuse that really made me to flee. I'm just trying to cut the story short, you know, um, that really made me to flee. And then I fled to the domestic violence shelter. Mm -hmm. And that was really where I experienced God. I got to experience, I I got to know God experientially. Mm -hmm. I want to explain that. So I got to really know God by experience. And one of the reasons why I'm explaining this is just because you've seen my life, how from a Christian family, I did everything right. I, I knew God. Yes, I wasn't really kind of like saved, but I saw my parents model, you know, the example of like, you know, serving God. And, you know, I saw my dad, everything they did, you know. So I followed through everything. I served God from the, you know, from the beginning. I didn't make mistakes, like in terms of living, a, you know, strained so well. You know, honestly, up to this time, like I've never been to the club. I don't say club is nothing is wrong with a club but I've never really kind of like lived a wild kind of life ever in my life you know so it just really kind of like you know got to the point in my life where I felt like God I I kept myself what is going on you know I really did all of these things what is going on you know I, 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 I really got to the point where I got to know God by experience why am I saying this so when we come across challenges in life, two things will happen to you. And if you're listening to me, I'm just really talking to you. So if you're just like me listening right now, two things will happen to you. It's either you get to be like, oh my goodness, God, I'm not going to save you anymore. 
I kept myself. You didn't, you know, you didn't guide me through my mistakes. You know, you allowed me to walk into this and you know what? I'm done right now, you know, or you get to the point where you're like, you know what, Jesus, you know what, Lord Jesus, you said I should call upon you in the time of trouble and you will answer me. I trust you even in this storm. I know I made this mistake. I know I got into this, but please, Lord, what are you teaching me? It doesn't matter what this situation is. I don't really know what it is. I don't know why I'm feeling this way, you know, but I trust you even in this storm. You know, when I got into the shelter, I was, you know, like 10 women, different nationalities, you know, and it was just more like, you know, a shelter home where it's, it was just different from where I, the home I used to know. And I felt like, oh, Lord, what am I doing here? You know, but again, I told you again, like two things happened. I didn't have, you know, I didn't, it didn't make me to have resentment for God because right. that's one of the things that would happen. If you're like me, where you'd be like, you know, God, I cannot, I did not have any resentment for God. I got to know him by experience because I said, God, you are worthy of saving me from all this thing that I've gotten myself into. I trust you. Even even though I don't really see the big picture. And one of the reasons why I stayed in the marriage from 2011 when I got married to him to 2018, the reason was just because I I prayed. I did everything possible. I said, God, please let this marriage work. I had mentees, people who were looking up to me, people who were like, oh my goodness, you know, she said, God, you know, now she's married to a deacon, you know, it was going to really work out really well. And I really didn't want to have any kind of broken home or whatsoever, because there's no history. We didn't have any history of any broken marriage, broken relationship or whatsoever in my family. I felt like I don't want to be the first to do it. I don't want to bring shame to my family. God, you got to do something. But things began to escalate, you know, got to a point where I almost wanted to take my own life. You know, I felt like, oh, yes, you know. And then when I, when I attempted suicide, he actually kind of like, you know, his word came to my mind. And then it, it was more like, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thought of peace and not of evil. And I'm like, oh my God. And then, and then one of that scripture came to my mind. He said, because you leave, because I leave, you will also leave. And that was really kind of like, you know, when I found myself at the shelter, I cried yeah. because that wasn't the home I was used to. I wasn't used to a communal kind of living. You know, I wasn't used to that type of environment, even growing up, even in Nigeria, I, I wasn't used to it. But because I have come to know God by experience, where I am solely dependent on him, where I'm solely sold out to him, I told him, I said, God, even if you decide not to save me, I will still trust you. And that was somebody who had really kind of like gotten to know God. And I started asking him, I said, what do you want me to do here? Please, what are you teaching me in this situation? And I'm speaking to anybody who's really going through any kind of adversity, any kind of challenges, any kind of, you know, life's adversity. I want to ask you, I want to beg you, please say these prayers and say, God, what are you teaching me? What are you teaching me in this situation? There's always a lesson to learn when we face adversity. I don't want you to seek pity party where you're like, Oh my goodness, why me? I serve God and then we're complaining like the people of Israel. No. 
I want you to ask God and pray and say, God, whatever you're teaching me, help me to learn it fast. Help me to learn all of the things you're teaching me. I know this is a learning season. This, it's a season. It's going to pass. So because it's going to pass, I want to learn all that you're teaching me. And when I said that prayers, he began to open my eyes. And then in that shelter home, I became like David in the cave of Adullam. I became more like an inspiration to someone that we met. I, I began to kind of like instruct them. I began to be like, you know, a role model kind of example because I was actually going to school at the time. I was I was a nursing student. So I was actually really kind of like going to school from the shelter home. And that was really kind of like how I really got to know God by experience, yeah. where I got to really told myself that, God, I am completely sold out to you. I know that you're worthy of delivering me. I know that you're worthy of changing my life around. I know and I trust you. And even if you would not do it, like I will still trust you. And that was really how I, you know, how I really got to know God by experience. Yes. Wow, that is amazing. Because sometimes it's like, and you're right, because it takes experience for us to learn. It's like people can tell you a hundred times how to ride a bike, but unless you actually get on the bike and ride it, then you're not going to know. And I think that's kind of how it is with God. You know, we grow up, he will tell us about him, we hear about him, but unless we actually experience him and see him work in our lives and have a relationship with him, we will never get to know him the way that we need to know him. That is amazing. Yeah, and one thing I want to say is this, right? If somebody talks you into knowing God, Mm -hmm. someone else can talk you out of knowing God. Right, right. But unless you experience him for yourself, it doesn't matter what anybody says to you about God, because you have experienced him, you are grounded. You know, beyond every reasonable doubt that I know what I believe. But if I do not, if I'm not really grounded, anybody can talk me out of knowing God. If it was just the God of my parents or the God I witnessed from my parents or whatever it is, how I saw my parents said of God. And I just saw that somebody could just be like, talk me out of it, and then I'm sweeped away. But because I got to the point in my life where I was grounded, I, I, I got to my rock bottom moment. And in that moment, I was able to discover God and I was able to find God and I was able to know him by experience, yes. Wow. So what happened next? Like, when did you leave the shelter? Like, did you graduate from nursing school? Like, what happened? So actually, um... A little bit going back a little bit. I used to be a teacher um, back home. I really, you know, enjoyed being with kids. I really enjoyed teaching kids. But, you know, he actually told me, my ex-husband said, you have to be a nurse when you come to the U.S. I want you to become a nurse. I wasn't a science student at the time. I started, you know, taking prerequisite classes. I was trying to do microbiology, anatomy and physiology. I was doing all of those things because I felt like, okay, I'm a very compassionate person. I can do this. So when all of those things happened, you know, when the emotional traumas, you know, all of those things, like I didn't mention that, you know, the incident of physical abuse that happened, one of those, you know, really kind of led to the point where I, you know, I called the cops on him because I felt like he was going to kill me. And after that attempted suicide, I felt like, you know what, this guy was going to kill me. You know what? I would just flee for my life. So that was really what happened. And then somehow the nursing school program didn't work out. 
you know, as planned. You know, my professors were like, you're going to fail, you know, because my grades were dropping. I wasn't concentrating. Right. And, and then I, you know, I couldn't finish the nursing program. So I, you know, I dropped from it. Um, and then that was really kind of like how that happened. But still, when, when all those were happening, I was just like, God, I trust you. You know, God, I know that it doesn't matter nursing school or not. I just know that you're able to, you know, keep my sanity intact, you know, because, you know, it was a lot of emotional traumas. It was a lot of, a lot of things. And, you know, he actually brought his mom to the U.S. shortly after we, I joined him. And then I felt like, well, his mom was just going to be like, you know, because I know him, I know her back home, like we were really cool. Mm-hmm. So I felt, you know, that would be a good idea, but it wasn't really a good idea because she had a different religious philosophy and she's, she's really kind of like, oh, you know, don't wear pants, kind of don't put on her extensions, um, don't put on earring necklaces. You know, she's just kind of like, that's whatever. And, and then that was really one of the things that, you know, led to the, challenge the you know the challenges we had in our relationship because he came and said oh no jewelries in this house you know um it's not in the bible the bible says we shouldn't adorn ourselves with outward appearance and stuff like that and he was like he was like no makeup no hair extensions no pants because in Deuteronomy chapter 5 is whatever says um whatever that women who wear men's clothing abomination unto god i'm just paraphrasing yeah I felt like, oh my goodness, okay. I live in the city of Massachusetts. It's cold. What do you want me to do? You know, he's like, well, I don't know what you should do, but I've just told you you can't wear pants in this house. I'm like, but I'm a nurses today. We wear scrubs though. Like, what do you want me to do? And he's like, well, I don't know what to do, but I've just told you you cannot wear pants in this house. So I wasn't doing, you know, I wasn't putting on hair extensions. I wasn't doing makeup. I wasn't putting on earring necklaces. All of those things, I stopped there. But the only thing I was doing was wearing pants. And it was a big problem, you know. And all of these things got to the point, you know, where, you know, which that was really what escalated into, like, yeah. the physical abuse that I told you of. But, um, yeah, I finally left the shelter. And, yeah, I finally gradually got helped me. I found my life back. That is a blessing. That is amazing. And... My mom was the same way, and then I just explained to her, listen, they have girl pants, and you know that, right? And she's like, well, I never thought about that. I was like, yeah, so you can wear pants and be okay. <laughs> so <laughs> she listened to me. One thing I could say, my mom, she was kind of strict, but she would listen to me when I was mm-hmm. making sense. So, of course, I was the person thinking, like, but this doesn't make sense. Like, why? So she would listen to me. So she did eventually start wearing pants before she died because she realized that, oh, so this is okay. But she was like, in her mid-40s, almost 50s, when she realized. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but wow. So with everything that you've gone through, let me ask you a question. If there is somebody out there who's actively looking for God, let's say they're going through a trial or something they don't understand, what advice would you give them? So I just really want to, you know, talk to you if you're that person who you just really don't know what to do, you know, you've been through different adversities, you just... You're almost lose, you're almost losing hope. I just wanted to I just want to tell you to hang in there. Continue to trust God. It's just the season. It's definitely going to pass. And I really want to say that once this season of adversity passes, please know that 
your story is not for you to keep. Your adversity, it's not for you to keep. You must have gone through some very challenging times in the past. I want you to know that it is for you to be an inspiration to others. It's for you to be able to use that story, use that adversity to be an inspiration to others. It is not for you to keep. And the story that comes to mind when I say this, it's the story of, you know, how, you know, the, the master was traveling and he gave some five talents. He gave some 10 talents. He gave the other one one talent and he hid his talent. The one he gave one talent actually hid his talent. And this is basically like adversaries are part of life. Right. You, we, are in, we, are, we are on earth school, basically. And adversaries are basically practical exams. Okay. So practical exams, because the strongest trees does not grow on the best soil. They grow on the toughest winds. Okay. That is really where they grow, the toughest wind. So I just really want to encourage whoever is going through adversity. It's not time to throw in pity parties. It's not try, time to call people. It's not time to complain. It's not time to be like, come on, you know, I'm going through this. God disappointed me and all of that. It is time to be very intentional. It is time to take out time to say, God, what are you teaching me in this situation? And whatsoever you're teaching me, I want to learn fast. And the challenge so many people have is the fact that, you know, God is teaching you some things. God is teaching you so many things in your times of adversity, but we're not learning because our focus are on something different. You know, we're really not, we're focusing on, oh my goodness, I'm going through a lot. You know, it just really my back, my headache. You know, I'm just feeling not concentrating. I don't know why I'm going through this. It's one problem or the other and stuff like that. Instead of saying all of this, why not just focus and be like, be still, be still. There's stillness, there's a discipline when we're still. And I'm just really going to give you another scripture where, you know, Jesus Christ was in the boat and the boat was really kind of like it was turbulent and everything. What, what happened? He was sleeping because he was in a place of his stillness. And, and honestly, just be still and know that he is God. And I want you to be able to trust him and, you know, trust him, have that unwavering faith, knowing that God, I trust you that you're going to get me out of this situation. I trust you that it doesn't matter what it is. This is only a phase. It is going to pass. And I want you to know that once this the phase passes, passes, please do not keep it to yourself because it is not for you to keep. If everybody who had gone through various adversities, you know, if, if we're all using our stories as an inspiration, oh my goodness, the world would be a better place. If every one of us who had experienced one thing or the other are just using our stories as part of evangelism, using our stories to say, he has rescued my life. Come and see what he has done for me. He did this for me. You know, this is what, you know, how I was in this situation. You know, I was a drug addict or I was a domestic violence, you know, survivor. You know, I was this, I was this, you know, I was just in a messy kind of situation. You know, he saved me. So it is not for us to bottle it up and keep it to ourselves. It is so that we can help other people. He saved us so that we can save others. He rescued us so that we can rescue others. For me, I got to know him by experience. 
And that is why my story is an inspiration to others. So if you're listening to me right now, I want you to, first of all, know that you are not alone. You are not alone, okay? The lie that the devil will tell you, the lie that the enemy will tell you is the fact that, oh, look at you. You know, nobody is experiencing what you're experiencing. You know, you're just all by yourself and stuff like that. I just really want you to know that you're not alone. But I want you to trust God. Hold on to him. And just be like, God, I trust you. I know you're able, you're capable of delivering me from this situation. You're capable. You have done it before in the past. I want you to think about all the other times that he had saved you. I want you to think about all the other times that you were in a more challenging situation and he came through for you. And, and with that, you're going to be, be able to know that God is able and he's able to help you. And, you know, just keep trusting him and just keep holding on to him and just really be still and know that he is God indeed. He is. Wow. I like that. And I especially like the part where you're like, you are not alone. Because so many people, when they go through things, they think, like you said, that they're alone. And that's because no one talks about the bad times. Like everyone talks about the good things that are going on in their life. But no one actually takes the time to be transparent and be like, hey, I went through this. It was hard. It was difficult. So I appreciate you for saying you are not alone. Well, IJ, this has been an amazing interview. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And thank you again for being a guest on the Finding God podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I am I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I absolutely love this interview. I especially love the part of the interview where IJ talks about how you are not alone and that it is important for us to talk about things that we've been through so that we can help someone else know that they can get through whatever they're going through. So I encourage you, if you are feeling alone, that first, you are not alone, and that there are people out there who have gone through what you're going through right now. And most importantly, God is there with you, and he promises to never leave you or forsake you. This week, I want to encourage you to talk to God about what you are going through, and then be still and listen to what he is saying to you. I guarantee that God is listening to you, and that he is going to let you know in some way, shape, or form that he is there. The song that we're going to listen to this week is from our Artist of the Week, Jay Bridges. And we're going to listen to his single, Are You Listening? Jay to the beat, United Saints, Holy Ghost Grammar, Revelation 229. Either half an ear, let him hear what the Holy Spirit said to the church. Got a few public service announcements. Ready to hear it? Listen up. If you believe in love, you would need love. Get what Jesus does. Flesh your blood could be blank, but he's above. And looking down to see this looking down, how we sitting proud. But he could turn it on the bond and cause a smile. Sometimes we have to wait. It may take a while for certain situations. We had to remain faithful, have the patience. Learn the rules of Christ, that way you don't lose the fight. If you choose to reject the tools, you can lose for life. The board is open, take a cruise tonight. Open your mind to life, love and salvation, see what this dude is like. Bacon and all the yurt from his work, we can learn. Beat the terms, he's the kind of guy that's speaking verbs. The word will put you in your place. I can't get second love a God you never seen, just spinning your brother's face. Switch it up and let's carry on, cause love changed people. God is singing this very song. I hope you hear me, really hope you listen. I can tell you it's better to live right, but I really hope that you're listening. I can tell you something there to change your life, but I really hope that you're listening. I really hope you're listening. 
I can tell you Christ died for your sins, but I really hope that you're listening. I really hope you're listening. I can tell you God is ready to forgive, but I really hope that you're listening. I trust in obey him all of my days, cause all of my praise goes to him in all of my ways. There's nothing but joyfulness, I'm here to glorify him, not defy him. He's the truth, is important, I don't deny him. Access is granted, I let him into my life. He's erasing all the sins of my life. I've been through the fights, been through the pain, been through the shame, been through the harm, been through the storm, just going the same. But by the grace of God, I'm still shining bright today like her Frank. I'm just trying to see brighter days. See it brighter way, so I'm seeking insight today. Salvation is free, but there was some price to pay. Christ paid it when he went to the cross. He gave us all to get us. I pray that after the world's ending, I'm living with him. He is amazing. I acknowledge him daily. Smiling and praising. I gotta thank him. I hope you hear me. I can tell you it's better to live right, but I really hope that you're listening. I can tell you something there to change your life, but I really hope that you're listening. I can tell you Christ died for your sins, but I really hope that you're listening. I can tell you God is ready to forgive, but I really hope that you're listening. I can tell you it's better to live right, but I really hope that you're listening. I really hope you listen. I could tell you something there to change your life, but I really hope that you're listening. I could tell you Christ died for your sins, but I really hope that you're listening. I could tell you God is ready to forgive, but I really hope that you're listening. I really hope you listen. Just listen. 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 I really hope you listen. Just listen, I really hope you listen. Just listen, I really hope you listen. Just listen. Before I end the podcast, I would like to thank you so much for being here with me today and for listening to another inspirational story of how people find God. If you love the podcast as much as I love spending time with you, I encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and to make sure that you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I will also love it if you would leave a review for the podcast so that you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show. If you would like to get in contact with IJ, JB, or myself, all of our contact information can be found in the show notes and all you have to do is click on the links below and you will definitely be able to get in contact with us. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and let me know that you would like to be a guest and I will make sure that I get in contact with you and schedule a day and time for you to record an interview. If you would like to submit music to the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and send me an email letting me know that you would like to submit a song for the show. In this email, send me a picture, a short bio, and an mp3 of the song you would like to submit. Well, I think that is all for now, so until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.